The following podcast is a Clutch Media production. Welcome to They Get It. My name's Kelsey, and my co-host Emma and I love direct-to-consumer brands. Whether it's an amazing customer experience or a really killer social strategy, this podcast will feature the brands and founders who just get it. All right, so we've done... Um, one episode before that was kind of focused on social with Steph G Beauty. It was focused on other things, but we did dive into social and you guys loved that. So we wanted to bring on another social expert for today's episode, Kyla from Babe Creative. And oh my gosh, she is, first of all, like we want to be friends with her. And then second, she really knows her stuff and she has such a good eye um, for all things digital and social. And she has a really cool entrepreneurial story. So this is just a really fun one. And for anyone that's not familiar, Babe Creative is a creative, digital, and talent agency that specializes in elevating everything you see and do online. And I'm not kidding you guys. If you look at their website, they do everything from email marketing to paid ads to branding to packaging, you name it. They've done it and they've got amazing examples to show for it. What I think is really special about Kyla and Babe Creative is the fact that they are so honed in on their value to their clients. And they're so choosy with the types of clients that they bring on. Like it will take you three seconds into this interview to understand that Kyla is an expert with these women-led inclusive types of brands. And she just understands how to communicate that message so clearly. She was awesome. Mm -hmm. We love a business that's really rooted in their values. And I think that's such a key in building like a long-term sustainable business is not just taking on business because you need business, but being you know, really making sure it aligns with your values. And I also think the types of clients she works with are so aligned with like what we look for in our guests. So it just match made in heaven. I'm going to stop talking. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Welcome back to another episode. Today we have Kyla from Babe Creative with us. Kyla, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, we've been dying to chat for a while and there's so much we want to dig into. Um, but I think to start off, I remember seeing you talk about this on, I think, a story and you talked about your own entrepreneurial journey and how you went from being in university and then working in-house and then starting an agency. So we'd love to just hear a little bit about your background before we dive in. Yeah, so I'm a dropout two times. <laughs> I went to Laurier for film and English and I was there for a year and a half. And when I was there, I, I loved the experience. I loved the life experience, but I was really interested in to getting into PR. Like when I was in high school, the Hills and Laguna Beach was like the show to watch. Yes. And just seeing like oh my gosh, like Lauren Conrad and Whitney Port, like interning and like doing PR stuff. Like I just thought that was so cool. So I was in university and I just felt like I was wasting my money studying film and English where I could be just having more hands-on experience. And so anyway, I went to Humber College for a fashion arts program, which was a business background. And it was a really great program. I learned marketing, personal branding, social media, um, fashion history, color theory, and 
that really tied into like what ended up being my career. Um, but while I was at school there, I got offered like a salaried position doing social and marketing for a hair company. And I said, Oh, like, I don't need my degree. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna start working now. Bye. <laughs> um, which is kind of like crazy, because I have like two courses left, I think, um, until I would officially like be done. But um, I have We're no regrets. so close. Okay. Well, and it's hard. It's like, do I literally go fork over my money or do I go make money, right? Not such a difficult decision. Right. And I, I mean, for me, I've never been like a great student. I never loved to go to school. Um, it just was never something that was important to me. Um, but I was really hungry. I wanted to work. I wanted to get experience. And like during the time that I was in school, even when I was in first year at Laurier, I was interning a ton just because hmm. I wanted more experience. So that's where my interest was. And I was just like ready to do it. So that's how I started. Why, why did you feel the need to go to school? Like if you were already getting such good experience and you kind of knew that's what you didn't want to do, what prompted you to do that twice? Um, that's such a good question. Like, I think that when you're 17 years old planning to leave the house, um, to go away, like that's just such an opportunity in itself. And I feel like that year was so pivotal in me just growing up and becoming who I am and making mistakes that I wouldn't have been able to make under my parents' roof. Um, so I mean, the student loans are great and I'm still paying for them. So <laughs> they're expensive lessons to learn. But I really enjoyed the time that I took like outside of the house. But I was literally saying to my parents on Easter, like, if I have a kid and they're 18 and they're about to take on like a, an enormous student loan to start and they're not exactly sure what they want to do, I would encourage them to take a year mm -hmm. to figure it out because it's an expensive lesson. Okay, so then you went from building your career and then you ventured into entrepreneurship. So what was yeah. that transition like and what, what pushed you into entrepreneurship? I've been really, really fortunate to work with some incredible brands. Um, once I started working again, I was working for a hair company and then I went straight into beauty after that. And I was um, working on social media accounts for beauty brands like Stila Cosmetics, um, Saint Tropez Tan. We were working on brands for like Christian Louboutin Beauty and all of these awesome, awesome businesses. And like this was when Instagram really started to kind of pop off. So yeah, I was there. And then I went to the Estee Lauderhead offices and I was running social for Smashbox Cosmetics and Glam Glow and like hitting up all the influencer programs and working on sponsored content. I was also so lucky to be the first Canadian social person in the Estee Lauder affiliate. Wow. So it was such a fun time to work for all of these brands in a time where social was really growing and the value of it was becoming so apparent. Um, I got to like learn so much from each of the brands. And because I was like the first and only at the time working on social for these companies, I got to test things and I got to really play around with it. And it wasn't too serious. Um, and yeah, I was lucky to go to like LA and like go to their head offices and like learn from their teams and just see the experts do it. And really like your film's dream came true. Right? Um, yeah, I truly felt like Lauren Conrad whenever I would go to LA. Um, I love it there. But yeah, so what uh, I'm sure as you guys know, like sometimes when you work for such a big company, it's really challenging to grow at a pace that you want to. And I've always just been the type of person that 
had bigger goals for myself in my career. I saw so much opportunity with like how to be disruptive in the social and digital space. But again, like when you work for Estee Lauder, you can't, you can't be super disruptive because there's a lot of red tape to kind of deal with, um, which is fair and it makes sense. But for me, I was younger and I was like, this is not necessary. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I wanted to grow at a rate that I just wasn't going to. And I decided that Uh, you know, I wanted to kind of just test out doing my own thing. A friend of mine, she reached out and she had a family business that she needed just some social help with at the time. And then like, it literally was my light bulb moment. And I was like, why am I not doing this on my own? So that was two and a half years ago. Um, So I started it while I was working at Estee. So I was like, highly anxious (laughs) when I started. Um, and then a few months later, I decided to venture off. But um, yeah. Okay. I have so many questions about that point. I'd say that is one of the most fascinating parts of an entrepreneur's journey is when they're like taking that step outside of their comfort zone in the realm of what they know to go do something completely new. I think if you can make it work overlapping and like keep some of that consistency as you're experimenting with this next step, that's ideal. How did you know it was time to do it full time? It took me, honestly, until COVID to fully, fully, fully do it full time um, because I was scared. Um, it's hard to step away from something that is so secure and stable um, when you're financially dependent on yourself and whatever you can kind of bring in totally. um, when you're on your own. And living in Toronto at the time, that was a scary idea because rent needs to be paid and student loans, LOL, need to be paid um, and everything else needs to be handled. And financially, it's a big risk to just be like, bye, salary. I'm on my own now. So, um, yeah, I mean, COVID definitely. So after I left Estee, um, I decided to like openly <laughs> be like, I work on Babe, but I'm also taking on work. So um, that's how that happened. And then in, during COVID, I just decided to do my own thing because I just saw that obviously so many businesses needed help. Um, a lot of businesses needed to kind of pivot and really focus on their digital um, presence and their social presence. And I was just like, if I'm not going to do this now, it's never going to fully happen. Um, so yeah, I just took the risk. I, I was supported, you know, by my partner, by my family and like, thank God everything has been okay. Um, and I work with clients who are just amazing. So it's been, it's been an interesting journey, but like literally so much anxiety because money does not fall from the sky. And when you're responsible for every penny that kind of comes into your bank account, it's, it's hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially when you've got a big team, like you've got a good group of people working with you and I'm sure it wasn't always like that, but I've noticed (laughs) working with a lot of agencies, it's kind of this world of like feast and famine, right? You're almost like overloaded and you can't keep up and there's more work than headcount can handle. And then you hire, and then you kind of have to race to find enough clients to fill that headcount. And it's like this never ending cycle of, of like forecasting and trying to plan. Have you noticed that you're starting to get like the hang of it and you're starting to see some consistency in the work that you're doing? Yeah. Um, it's been, it's been interesting. Like again, since we've started, it's been so up and down and 
so many lessons learned like when you first start doing your own thing and realizing like what works for you as an entrepreneur and how you want to do business and who you want to do business with and if you're going to create boundaries around that um we've been really fortunate at babe to be able to say no to business if we don't want it if it doesn't feel good or if it doesn't align with our core values um but not everyone's that fortunate especially when you're starting out um but yeah, like when it when it comes to forecasting and making sure that everyone else is being supported, that's been like an interesting process. Again, like we've grown exponentially in the last year and I'm so thankful for that. And I also don't want to take it for granted and also making sure that like the people on my team feel supported and that they're all like going to be okay. And this is all going to continue is something that kind of keeps me up at night because again, like it's who knows like I think that also COVID has also made everyone a little bit more aware of the fact that like we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow let alone next year so I'm trying to take it day by day and figure it out um I've become best friends with my accountants (laughs) um and I'm just like trying (laughs) to figure it out honestly so fair well, I think it's very admirable and I'm, I'm glad to hear things are going well, but I'm not surprised. Um, if I had a small business and I was kind of had an idea how to do social, but there were definitely gaps, um, like give me an example of where working with an agency like Babe would be helpful for a small business. Like what are those key things that you're helping move the needle on um, across the digital and social space with yeah. your clients? Um, I think that a lot of people who are not as fluent in social media and like I feel like also a lot of people think that that's like oh if it's Instagram we all have Instagram um we don't need to like hire someone to do it we just need a pretty feed and it's just like man having a the most gorgeous curated feed with like the most relatable captions is like not going to be the core reason why you're selling any product and i wouldn't ever pinpoint that to be the reason why anyone's converting on a website um there's so much more that goes into it so how we work is everything's super custom to each of the clients that we work with but um yeah so we kind of audit what they're doing first and foremost to see like where there are points of opportunity for them to be better and and grow. Uh, We always look at things like with a 360 degree lens because we know that there's so much more than just a fee that goes into conversion. So we look at what their content strategy is now and then we look at their content library in terms of any sort of assets that they have. We look at their website. I feel like a lot of people uh, don't realize the importance of making sure that like your mobile site is almost more oh important God. sometimes. Yeah. Totally. Um, and like just even thinking about user experience and assuming that someone who doesn't know your brand at all is discovering you, like what are the pain points there? Um, so that's something we really work on. We focus on influencer programs. We work on ads. We work on creating the content um, so that we have content that's really strong for e-com, but also really digestible and interesting for social media because they're two different ways for mm-hmm. people to kind of consume. Um, I don't even know what else. <laughs> we, we do um, design, we do packaging, um, anything that, you know, focuses on your brand online and IRL is like what we have our hands in now. 
And there's a lot more that we're going to be working on this year in order to support that. But yeah, for small businesses, I would say try to take 10 steps back and think about your business from someone else's point of view instead of your own. I think that sometimes small business owners and anyone in general, when they're so into their job, Mm -hmm. they have such a close vision to what they're seeing. They're not looking at it objectively from a perspective of someone who doesn't know you. And as you want to grow your business, you have to think about the people you want to introduce yourself to and how they're going to look at you um, and discover you and what they're going to think when they see your Instagram for the first time or your website. So we try to make it really holistic. When you look at the clients that you're, you are currently working with and maybe have worked in the past, is there a certain growth stage that you would begin working with someone or are you working with brands that are like launching? Both. Um, So we work with a lot of brands that have been well established and have had a strong, you know, social and digital presence, but have grown so much that they need to outsource some extra help when it comes to running their social and everything else. Um, But there's also a lot of up and coming brands that are starting from ground zero or even like need us to help them with their logo and their packaging and their uh, UI and UX. So it kind of goes and spans across the board in terms of that. And it's just so fun to see both um, kind of perspectives and how they grow because a lot of times when we do work with a brand that has been well established, like we try to, you know, put on their their brand hat and speak their language and make sure that the visual vibe is still, you know, honored and it feels very consistent. Um, or sometimes we kind of just like breathe fresh air into the brand and you can really see the difference um, from before we kind of touched it. Um, and also it's just been so cool to see businesses start from nothing and be a part of it. It's really, really rewarding to see that too. I can only imagine. Okay. I want to dig in on one very specific thing you just talked about. So someone will come to you and they say, okay, I've got this really cool product. I'm just going to make this up. I need a logo. You're like, okay, we can help. What is the process of establishing like the branding and the logo and, and what do they need to come to the table with in order for you to be able to create that for them? Um, it's, it's first of all, like taking time with the client to get to know them and understand their personal style, what they like and what they don't like. Understanding Mm -hmm. what someone doesn't like is so important from the beginning because it saves a lot of time down the road because it's so easy to, you know, provide anyone with a bunch of different options. But if they all, you know, hate green and you're giving them a bunch of green logos, then you have to go (laughs) back to the drawing board to some degree. Um, so having like a creative brainstorm session with them has always been really helpful for us in the beginning just to get a really good idea of the good and the bad in terms of like what they resonate with and then also like doing a bit of inspo deep dives with um, the brands that they admire that aren't necessarily in the same space as them like categorically but like learning about what they admire about that brand and how what those details are about the brand that they like. Um, If it's the color palette, if it's their language, if it's the logo, um, I feel like that really helps. So once we kind of get that going and have a really good idea of the good and the bad, what they like and what they don't, then we have a big meeting with our, our graphic design team and kind of 
create this massive Pinterest board um, and then kind of work from there and then create a bunch of options and then a bunch of reiterations with um, the client during our meetings. Mm -hmm. To pivot a bit to social strategy, what are all the elements that go into a social strategy? I mean, I run our, our social for the podcast and like, I feel like I'm still learning. So this is kind of a selfish question for myself too. <laughs> um, I feel like when you want to start from somewhere and you don't really know, like, what am I supposed to post? Um, I, again, would like kind of take a step back from a brand perspective and think about like, what message are you trying to send and start to create like content pillars that drive to your ultimate goal for you guys. It obviously would be, you know, continuing to grow your amazing audience. Um, so yeah, we work on es essentially doing a deep dive on who your audience is and who you want your audience to be, and then creating content pillars that support your business, but also generate like community love, because I think that now more than ever online, it's such an important thing to be able to foster an engaged community. I think that that's like so important from any brand standpoint, because I think that it's also so inauthentic to create an Instagram account that you want to have like a million followers for, but you're not engaging with your followers. And it's just about selling. Um, I just feel like people don't appreciate that. So that's something. Am I rambling? Am I? It, it, no. Did that answer your question? <laughs> I'm loving this. Like, honestly, the more tactical, the better. Yeah. And we've heard this again and again from either brands or even us talking and then now you. It's confirmation that thinking of your content in terms of buckets is like a necessity. That just needs to happen. Do the buckets change for every client or are they the same yeah. like general categories? Yes and no. I mean it could be as black and white as like selling versus like not, uh, but it never is the case. Like every business that we work on to some degree has a different offering. Um, a lot of the brands we work with are direct to consumer online. But um, for example, uh, we work for, we work with Lover's Land and Lover's Land is a bridal uh, company, but they also sell ready to wear accessories, home goods, um, and all of those things deserve to have equal amounts of love to give to on Lover's Land's account so that those are content pillars within itself. So we're focusing on, you know, bridal and pushing uh, appointments and we're focusing on ready to wear and all of their newness that are dropping. But we're also focusing on love and connection. And those are considered, quote unquote, like filler photos. But those are the things that also cultivate the engaged community that they have because it focuses on the things that, you know, brides to be and women in general mm -hmm. appreciate. Um, so those are some content pillars that we have for them. And it's it's really a matter of like also being like, okay, what do we post tomorrow? We know because we know what content pillar we're honoring for each of the brands that we work with. So if I'm just filling in the gaps here, every day is a new content pillar and then you're cycling through. Is that how it works out? For the most part, but you know, it depends on the week and what is dropping that week and what the launch is, or if there's a sale or a promotion, uh, because obviously like those priorities kind of take precedent over, you know, just filling in the gaps. But um, it just provides us like essentially like structure so we know what to build out our feed with. I'm just curious to hear your take on Instagram in specific, 
like they always have a new feature that they're favoring with the algorithm or a new thing that they're trying to optimize for. So like now from my understanding, it's shares and saves, it's reels, um, and it's being really active on stories. Is that something you're also building in like based on what you know will do well with the algorithm? Totally. So I think that the social landscape is constantly evolving and changing and it's so important to be on top of it. Um, this might be like, I might be wrong, but for reels, some brands are just like, this is not our vibe at all. Like, I don't want to dance in front of mm-hmm. my iPhone and do like a TikTok dance in order to sell a pair of shoes. And it's like fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's so many other ways to be successful in your space without having to jump on every other trend that everyone is doing. Um, I don't think that posting reels is like the secret sauce to being, you know, important on Instagram. Um, I always provide like any business owner, like the advice to be like, whatever you, whatever you're doing that is providing, you know, the highest engagement is what you should always be doing in different ways that feel authentic to your brand. Um, So if, if that is, you know, creating, maybe you have like, photos of things that are super inspirational that you're noticing that people are saving all the time because they're really beautiful inspirational quotes that you're creating in-house and the graphics are just amazing keep doing that make them in different colors um make sure that that's something you're posting once or twice a week um, because engagement matters and you know I think that also Instagram is preferring when people are using the native functions in their apps. So like playing around with that on stories, like doing quizzes I'm noticing is like so huge right now because I love doing them. Everyone that I know um, loves to participate in them because it's just mindless, but it also gives you a really good sense of like, you know, the brand and like what, what's inspiring them or, you know, where they're coming from. And I think it's such a great learning tool too for brands that are emerging right now to like learn from their potential customers or from their audience in general, when it comes to even like if they're buying something for holiday right now, Mm -hmm. they can see what colors people are resonating with, what patterns. Um, So it's also like a matter of like using Instagram as a tool instead of like as an opportunity to like blow up because your reel went viral, you know? And I think you're hitting the nail on the head. This owned audience, the idea of an owned audience is becoming so crucial. Like we look at, I'm going to geek out here, but the iOS 14 update where Facebook is starting to relinquish a lot of that customer data and we're not, you know, getting the specificity with targeted ads that we used to owning your Instagram audience, owning your mailing list, having a great idea, intimately knowing who your, your audience is, is so important. And I found these quizzes and like engagements and responding to comments and things like that are the best way to connect with these people. A hundred percent. Yeah. Would you say that there are like no brainer channels where like baseline foundational, every single brand that comes and works with my agency needs to be good on X, Y, Z. What would those be? They need to be good on original content. I think that it's so important. Um, Content is king, um, no matter what platform you're on. If your photos are not strong, if your videos are not strong, it's not going to resonate. That doesn't mean that people need to, you know, invest a ton of money into the best camera or they need to, you know, have a full out photo shoot that's out of their budget in order to be successful. I just think that, you know, 
making sure that things are consistent and you're making sure that things are well lit when you're taking a photo of them. Mm -hmm. Like if you're building your Shopify site from scratch and you're just trying to start your business um, with nothing, like you can, but just being really thoughtful and picky about your content that you're posting, I think is really important. Yeah, that's really good advice. We had a question from one of our listeners that I thought you'd probably be helpful in answering. So she was saying that they have a new brand that they've recently launched and they don't have a ton of money to throw at sponsored ads. Um, And so she's wondering about, you know, what are the biggest levers to pull in terms of growing organically? And I think this could be on social, but also probably um, like digital more broadly as well. Um, So, you know, some of our clients without giving away too much information, spend like a very modest amount of money and some spend a ton of money on ads. And I see success on both ends of the spectrum. Um, So if if you wanna test and like you're a business owner that's just starting out and you don't wanna invest a ton of money into, you know, just pressing the promote button on Instagram, I always say like play with it and like put $5 a day Mm -hmm. to your highest engaged post and target people like your followers just to test and learn and see what happens because it's, it's a really, really um, conservative way to, you know, play around with it and get familiar with the functionalities within that if you're doing it on your own, but also seeing like, Oh man, like I've done that once just to like prove a point. (laughs) and we got like 30 followers on like a a, one photo in one day because we just put five bucks behind it and it was like the highest engaged photo of the week so it's I think it's worth people's while to just try that out because it's not a huge loss Um, and then when it comes to digital ads again like you can be modest with your budget but the most important thing is if you're starting out from you know the beginning to work on brand awareness campaigns versus Mm -hmm. conversion Um, just when you're starting out, because I mean, the stat changes all the time, but last I heard it takes someone like five times to be on your website before they pull the trigger and buy something. So people need to like be aware of you and consider you before they're just going to like scroll on Instagram, see your product and be like, I'm buying this now without really learning about you. And that also goes back into like making sure that your website's user-friendly on the mobile. (laughs) So, um, again, everything really is such a 360 thing. But yeah, I would always say just like start doing brand awareness um, ads and making sure you're really specific about who you're targeting, um, even though you have a small budget to work with. I want to get micro here. So when it comes to brand awareness and this like education part of the funnel, what types of content and messaging do you see work really well? Um, It's different for every category in my experience, but um, showcasing product efficacy, I think is a really helpful way to, you know, introduce yourself to someone and show that your product works. Okay. So we've talked a lot about what small businesses should do and what the big opportunities are. What are big mistakes you see happening um, in small businesses in terms of their social media or online presence in general? That's a great question. I think that, um, again, I think it comes back to content. When when I see brands posting, you know, their e-commerce images on their feed where it's just like a static white backdrop and like an item, 
those never get engagement. Um, people don't really resonate with that because that's like something that people are looking at when they're shopping online, but it's just not exciting or interesting enough to engage with um, on the feed. I know that it's a photo, but I would strongly recommend like if it's all you have, even trying to like crop it in an interesting way or getting on Photoshop and like making it a bit more interesting, I think is like such an important thing to think about. Um, and if you want to use like those static e-com images, I would like piece them all together and like make an Instagram story instead with like a little bit of like some sort of visual interest. Um, that's one thing that I would recommend. And then I think that it's such a mistake when businesses just like think that, okay, I've scheduled my feed for the month. Um, if my photos are there, my captions are there and I'm not going to think about it until next month. Um, I see that a lot and the, the piece of like mm -hmm. engaging with your followers is just like out the window and like you have 55 DMs because you didn't answer any of them because you just like set it and forget it. I think that's such a huge mistake. Um, so yeah, I would say being on top of your community management is really important because again, like this is a little world you're nurturing and fostering. And um, I think it's really important to make sure that you're mm -hmm. having meaningful conversations with the people who are interested in your brand. Totally. And just being where your customers are, right? Like I remember our episode with IE um, where she talked about like they – DMs is like one of the main places they actually sell <laughs> is like going back and forth with their customers. And I think if you're ignoring that and saying like, oh, email us if you have questions, I think you're just missing out on like a really great place to actually not only build relationships with customers but also convert. Totally. Cause like sometimes I'll DM a company, like a local business that I know they're active on Instagram. And like, I'll be like, Oh, Hey, like, are you guys open today? Or do you have X, Y, Z in stock? And they're like, yeah. And then I'm like, Hey, I'm there. I'm going to go pick it up curbside mm -hmm. right now. Um, instead. And it's just such an interesting and easy way to make money. Um, so I would not count it out. That's really helpful. I also love the like specificity of you saying, yeah, like the static white backdrop images are not meant for Instagram, right? Like that's something I don't think a lot of people understand. They invest all this money, this time, this effort, they get these beautiful studio shots. And then they don't realize that like that really only lives on like a product page. And I think the way that you're thinking totally. about content at different points in the customer journey and different points in the funnel is so powerful. Um, once somebody has purchased, right? So they've gone through through your website, they've added to cart, they've converted, what can brands do, um, whether it's through content or other channels to get people to come back and buy from them again and again? Email marketing is so important and workflows and making sure that you're still, you know, communicating with that customer after you've shot after they've shopped is I think so key making sure that you have some sort of platform to effectively work on like your email marketing I think is like such an easy way to make money while you sleep um, I think that you know on Shopify you can see how many how much money you could have made in abandoned carts and it's like a painful thing to see um, so just making oh, yeah. sure that you're capitalizing on that and you know providing some level of interest in people's inbox beyond just selling to them too I think people appreciate as well I'm sure we all like constantly are unsubscribing to email newsletters that are not like mm -hmm. full of substance or humor or something interesting or something inspirational um, so I would kind of think about 
those things and how to implement that into your into your brand. Ah, oh, this is such good mm-hmm. advice. I feel like we could honestly talk about marketing strategy from content and design to email marketing for hours and hours. And maybe that's a signal that we should make this a more regular conversation. I think this is super helpful. And I'm so happy you got to come on, Kyla. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure talking to both of you guys. I'm so, so grateful to have spent this time with you guys today. Oh, well, the feeling is mutual. Thank you so much, Kyla. And yeah, I think part two is in order in the future. (laughs) I would absolutely love that. Okay, so that episode was near and dear to my heart, working in influencer marketing Maybe I'm biased, but by far the biggest takeaway for me is thinking about your content, not just about like, is this a great photo, but where is it going to show up in the customer journey, right? Like is, is a potential prospect seeing this on an Instagram page? Is it an Instagram story? Is it in an ad? Is it on a product page on your website? Is it an email marketing? And really thinking about like, okay, what's going through that customer's mind at each stage in the funnel and what kinds of content are going to resonate with them? I think Kyla's advice of not taking like a studio shot with a white background and putting it on Instagram is such good advice. And it, you know, it sounds like, oh yeah, of course that makes sense. But I think there are so many people out there that just don't think of their content that way. Mm -hmm. A hundred percent. And I liked what she was saying about like, if there's something that doesn't feel right for your brand, but it might help you grow like reels, for example, or TikTok. like you don't need to do that. And you should still do the things that are in line with your brand. And ultimately like having really good content is what's going to help you grow. And it's less about, you know, the specific playing to whatever Instagram is favoring at the time. Yeah. Actually, that's interesting because that was something very similar to what we had heard last time um, with Jennifer from the Silk Labs being like, don't just try and copy. Like, don't try to get on top of every single trend because not everyone is going to be authentic and every brand is different. So as long as you're clear on like your brand voice and the message you want to get across, stay true to that. Yeah. That's what's going to help you stand out ultimately. And it's just going to save you a lot of like anxiety because if you're trying to make something happen that just doesn't really resonate or doesn't feel right it's going to come across and you're not going to feel good Mm -hmm. so love that love that so we hoped you enjoyed this episode and something fun that we've been doing more of now is getting our show notes more populated so if you go to theygetitmedia.com under episodes you'll see lots of helpful resources links out to um, our guests page and all that sort of stuff so definitely go check out the show notes if you're hungry for more content from our episodes and until next week we hope you have a beautiful week and we'll talk to you soon talk to you then Mm -hmm.